one. Hey, folks, welcome to another rendition of what's going on the experience on this Sunday morning on Fox Sports Radio and iHeartRadio. And I got three of I got two of my dumb daughters in the building for the experience today. And I'm so happy. As always, I got my man from the Challenger Community News. What up, Rad Man? How's it kicking? All right. Good morning, everybody. Beautiful Sunday morning. We're having this beautiful weather. Everything's breaking well. Uh, hey, another great day of the pigskin being tossed around. Bills, Jets, and a lot of other great games later today. Okay, and also got the dumb dollar of it all. My man, the mighty over. Pat, the author of The Art of the Interview. Correct, Patrick? Yes, sir. How you doing? I'm doing well, man. Long time no see. The last time I saw you, we was in Buffalo last year watching the Houston Texans get beat up by the Buffalo Bills. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> that was a interesting game. Interesting game. Uh, we were on with uh, AD. Yes. Uh, out of Houston. So it was an interesting game that day. Well, I love when I get together with the fellas, man, because we have such a such a great time in chopping it up. So I'm just going to get right to the heart of the matter. We have a whole bunch of stuff going on in the sports this week, as you know. So, George, I'm just going to go to you, man. Should pro athletes just shut up and dribble? Should they just shut up and just play sports? What do you think, Georgie? No, I mean, everybody Everybody speaks their opinion. Their opinion. Uh, you get once in a while, you get someone like a Kyrie Irving that just talks uh, crazy and allows everybody to know his uh, opinion, whether how stupidious it might be or not. But no, that's that's a I, don't, I wouldn't even say that. That's a, not that I think about. It, that's a Fox uh, uh, commentary from a lady a couple of years ago talking about LeBron James, who was always speaking intelligent and continues to speak intelligent uh, even today. So that 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 comment doesn't even count toward. Uh, uh, to sports, intelligent sports athletes like the LeBron James and the so many others across the, all of the sports uh, industries. What about you, Mario? But should they just shut up and dribble or throw the ball? Well, that has never been um, since the great John Wooten, Bill Russell, Kareem Jabbar, uh, the greatest of all time, Muhammad Ali, Craig Hodges. Um, that's not been the way. Uh, what they want you to do is only comment on things that they approve of. Oh, and a lot of times when you come into enlightenment or areas that are con- what they deem as controversial, uh, they attack you. And that takes away from the academic environment. That's what true uh, colleges are made of. That's when Uh, You used to go to colleges and you would have uh, controversial speakers come in. Now they protest controversial speakers coming in. You don't have the the Dr. Leonard Jeffries, the uh, Louis Farrakhan's and others uh, that get an opportunity to have real academic discourse at colleges or various places anymore. Everything has now become so dumbed down and controlled. So Kyrie Irving's comments to me, are, are be they what they may, uh, they are good for discourse. And that is the academic experience of why do you feel that way about us? How do we uh, talk about these things? Now you can't talk about them anymore, or they will uh, take away your contracts, take you off the air. Uh, these are things that are happening. And some of that 
comes from our own actions. Uh, some of our leadership going after uh, certain groups and then taking payoffs after they get an agreement done rather than true discourse being done has led to these things affecting our communities. Well, no, Pat, I mean, that's a, that's an excellent analysis of what's happening. But at the end of the day, <clears throat> is it fair to, to put a mic in an athlete's face right after they get off the football field or after they get out, out of the gym? It's like, it to me, it's kind of like a double entendre, okay? we There are heroes, but like you said, when they say something that we don't – what. We don't want them to be like, for example, Colin Kaepernick's a perfect example for me, right? So the man kneels and you give him the business. He ain't even saying anything, contra- he ain't even saying anything controversial other than the fact you just knelt and all of a sudden he's like the craziest guy on the planet. He doesn't know what he's doing. Kick him out of the league. He can't get a job. Then they buy him off, right, to shut up because what he was saying was a little, little powerful. So it's like you can't win for losing as a person that wants to speak your mind, you're right. On academic settings, you there is a, a, a room to debate and challenge. I remember back in the 70s, okay, when because they're getting ready to challenge affirmative action again. And this guy named Alan Bakke, if I don't know if you remember this, Pat, you might remember this. Oh, yeah. Alan Bakke, he came to Brockport. Didn't nobody go crazy? It was a discussion. We didn't agree with Alan Bakke. And if you don't know that, was he challenged in front of action in the Supreme Court? But we had the conversation. And the fact of the matter is, there's not even room for conversation any longer. They just want to cancel you if you don't even agree with them. George? Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that's, that's just shows the stupidity. And ever since the pandemic, you're seeing just how highly uneducated America is. Uh, back in the Whoa, day, people, really? people, people valued education and valued intelligence. Now you're saying ever since 45 was in office, he showed how ignorant he is of, of everyday people and everyday life and history and even knowing history and knowing about what what brought us to where we are today. And now you're seeing that they, they're trying to make that the norm instead of having people uh, being intelligent, being 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 raised up because of their intelligence. Well, it's interesting because, um, like I said, I like to look at what other people say. And I'm trying to think of the guy. I think it was Jason Williams who used to play ball, he has said that everybody's attacking Kyrie, but no one is saying anything to Amazon and Jeff Bezos because that was the platform, Pat, that the video was on from Hebrews to Negroes. So if there's some kind of culpability, what about the platform? We ain't going after Jeff Bezos, but we're going to let Jeff Bezos and Jay-Z by the Washington commanders. Help me out with that, Pat. Well, that's the thing. You're you're now picking and choosing who you go after. Uh, And in the academic setting, it's supposed to be discourse. Uh, You recently uh, witnessed uh, Salman Rushdie stabbed almost critically in Chautauqua County. Um, I would have loved to hear what he had to say, whether I agree with it or not. That's what academic environment is supposed to be about uh, discourse and, mm-hmm. and talking about different ideas, whether you agree or disagree. Now, if you disagree, you want to get violent, break into somebody's house, tear down the Capitol and, and mistreat innocent people. But how much have you heard about Brett Favre stealing money? Thank you, Patrick. People. Thank but you. Y'all want to talk about Kyrie Irving. Who is he hurt? 
physically or financially. Brett Favre stole millions of dollars that were earmarked for poor people, and he has barely made headlines. And that, that's where I have a problem, that y'all pick and choose. Mm -hmm. And now you've got athletes. Uh, Reggie Miller just said he's criticizing uh, black ball players for not condemning Kyrie. Kyrie Irving. There you go. Well, come on. I mean, there's no comparison. Why aren't you cri criticizing Brett Favre and some of these others that have stole millions of dollars that have hurt people? But, you know, I believe in academic discourse. There's a place. That's what debate that's why you have debates. Right. That's why you're supposed to learn from one another and then come to an equitable end without trying to destroy each other. Well, you mentioned the situation that happened with Nancy Pelosi's husband. You break into the man's house with a hammer, okay, trying to, to do damage to the guy, looking for his wife. And on top of that, I'm saying, where's the security camera that's supposed to be in Nancy's house? Oh, don't get me started in her spot for him to say, even if I break in, yo, the popos is, is there already. There's something well, you know, like the going on in this country. Up there, Nate. The security camera was up there. They just right. monitoring it. This what I'm this is what I'm saying. The Capitol Police having inadequate uh security mechanisms in place for this day and time. So that incident has led to a discourse on this. If you don't talk about things, you accept whatever they give you. There you go. There and you're you not going to agree with everybody. Back in my days of uh, being a university police officer out at Stony Brook, yep. my job was I ended up guarding the, uh, the consulate of Israel to the United Nations. And I learned a lot from him that day. It was a great discourse. Whether I agreed or disagreed with anything he had to say, it was interesting being in that person's company because of the knowledge that you can learn from. You can learn from anybody. That's what academics is about. But now the academic environment has become a political and a and a personal interest environment. Whereas if you don't agree with a person, this person can't come and make a living. And that, to me, is not right. Yeah, and on top of it, you add insult to injury. Now you're saying you can't, you're finally getting people to say, let's tell the truth about history. Let's tell the truth about the uh, indigenous people, the African-American people. And now you got people talking about you. You got, They're coming up with some old ridiculous term. They're saying they want, you to, yeah, they, now they want you to go back to continue to lie about our history. So the ignorance is bliss right now in America. Good gracious. Well, it's it's a situation where, gentlemen, like one thing Kyrie Irving did, did say is like you do have to read and learn about different kinds of things. And a lot of people don't even understand that, yo, there's Jews of different ethnic backgrounds. It's like there's just not white people who are Jews, it's Ethiopian Jews. It's like, come on, people. They don't just look European. They're not just from Germany and France. And it made me, as I was listening to this, Pat, it made me go and do some research. Like, oh, yeah, you're right. Absolutely. It's like, it ain't just that. It's so much more layered than that. And that's why they don't want some of these truths to come out. Do I agree with that? That um, Hebrews to Negroes? Of course not. Some of it does have some elements of things in it, just like everything else does. But until you take those elements out and then do your own research and then bring it back, 
Someone told me the other day to think, um, George, and I'm going to leave, uh, leave it on this, to um, the never argue with people, Pat and George, over politics and religion, because you never win. Never win. Never no. win. <laughs> I interviewed, um, years ago, gentlemen, I interviewed uh, attorney Gary Greenberg. Uh, he wrote a book called uh, The Moses Mystery, mm. where he traced um, his hypothesis was that the practice of what we call Judaism today goes back to the ancient Egyptian pharaoh, Akhenaten. Mm. Mm-hmm. And um, the Moses mystery was written by Gary Greenberg. Gary Greenberg is Jewish. <laughs> so, you know, I interviewed him and I felt it was a great interview. I have that book uh, in my collection and I found it to be interesting. Whether you agree or disagree, the academic environment is made for debate and discourse. That's how people learn. And when you get a PhD, you have to defend what your thesis, right? That's how you're granted your PhD, (laughs) by making an academic argument. And if the academic setting becomes a controlled environment, uh, we are no longer learning. And that's the part I I don't like. Hey, man, Pat, thanks for that. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to dive into what's going on with the Bills and the Jets today. What's happening? Like I said, will your man sell the Washington franchise? He, I guess, went to Chase Bank. And Pat, is that a fake rendition of a Bills stadium? Is it a real rendition of a Bills stadium? Are we going to have a Bills stadium? Or are they blowing smoke up everybody's butts like they always do? You're listening. What's going on? The experience here with Nate Brown Jr., Fox Sports, iHeartRadio, Mighty Oba, Rad Man. We'll be right back. Hey, folks, we are back for our second edition of What's Going On The Experience. And today's show is being sponsored in part by, where's my thing? Caregivers Educational Programs for the Alzheimer's and Dementia. Now, these programs are phenomenal for folks who need to understand Alzheimer's dementia, also responding to dementia-related behaviors, effective communication strategies. Okay, you can find all of these programs at alzheimers.org slash M-A-T-G. Also, the Alzheimer's Association is still taking donations for the walk. Okay, that's Monroe County, Finger Lakes Alzheimer's Association. Still still taking donations for the walk. Go to alz.org slash Rochester Walk. Come on, folks, get it in. We know people who have this dreaded disease in doc. Um, they are trying to get a cure for dementia, Dr. Freeman. They really, really are. My mom has it, and Georgie knows. I go see her once a month religiously, man, faithfully. My brothers are down there in New York working with her and helping her, and we have health care around her. But I thank the Alzheimer's Association for putting me on the right track. So when this happens to you, dude, when your mom throws food at you, cusses you out, and you're not little either. It's like when you're grown throw eggs at you, forget your name, you got to get some help. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Yes, yes sir. So I'm just saying, folks, if you need help, please, Alzheimer's Association. But speaking of need help, the Jets going to need some help today to get the, get to the bills, George. You talk to me about that because, I mean, everybody was all, all excited. Oh, the Jets are five and two. And then they fell back down to earth. And now we got to play the bills. 
Yes, indeed. <laughs> uh, yes, indeed. It should be a good game later today. Uh, Bill's coming in, uh, getting some of the injured players back. Tredavious White might make an appearance today. Uh, we'll see as we as we count down the kickoff continues to see if he's in warm-ups and see if he's out there. It's a good chance he makes his uh, 2022 season debut coming off of the torn ACL. Uh, the Jets, we got to see if they have a real quarterback or not. Now the quarterback seems to be regressing. The defense is improving. It should be a good game. We'll see if uh, Wilson can make key plays. And the Bills seem to make good plays. Josh Allen seems to have good games at the Meadowlands. So I think he wants to redeem himself from a poor performance, which we would deem a poor performance from him last week against the Green Bay Packers. And remember, that's the difference between him and Mahomes. Mahomes, hey, man, that guy just still keeps striving to a different level. Uh, keep in mind, Josh Allen is still growing, still learning, and he's still trying to catch up to Patrick Mahomes. He got to remain, play his game, get the ball out of his hands, run the ball. You picked up Naheem Hines this week, dumped the ball off to him. Uh, get the running game rolling, and Buffalo should win this game uh, by 10 points or more. What do you think, Mighty Elba? Well, I agree uh, with uh, what the Radman is saying. I, I think the Jets are still a very young team. Uh, a lot of people were getting excited, but this is a young team going up against <laughs> a veteran. This team has been primed and ready uh, the last five or six years. Now, they're at the pinnacle of uh, will they make it to the next step? And the only next step for the Bills is the Super Bowl, whereas the next step for the Jets is to continue to improve uh, week in and week out. Now, unfortunately, the Jets have had some significant injuries yes, at some key positions that have hurt them, and I think it would be a little bit better game coming off of how the Bills uh, were miserable against stopping the run last week. And I think Green Bay – has opened up a Pandora's box that the Bills are going to have to answer because teams are going to run the same plays that were successful and try to attack the Bills at their core. The Bills are going to have to do a better job at stopping the run and uh, getting Tredavious White back. I don't know if he'll be active for the. We'll see if he's active for the game uh, mm-hmm. about an hour and a half before the game, mm-hmm. uh, but he'll be activated to the 53-man roster. That does not mean he's going to be activated uh, for the game itself, but uh, it's good to see him get back. It's been close to a year, uh, but I think the mm-hmm. Bills are still uh, the best roster in football with or without Tredavious White. Uh, they've showed that. They've had more injuries than uh, any time during Sean McDermott's tenure. And it's showing uh, on not only on the field, but uh, Forbes. Uh, One thing I want to say to uh, you and Nate Mm -hmm. is that when Sean McDermott came to the Bills, they were worth about $1.6 billion, and the Pagulas paid uh, $1.4 billion, which was $600 million more than the worth of the Bills at the time in 2014. Mm -hmm. But now the Bills are now worth $3.4 billion. Mm -hmm. So uh, they are no longer at the bottom of the NFL. They're now ranked as the 29th most valuable franchise in a league that all 32 franchises make profit. But but, But Pat, help me out. Will they get a new stadium, though? Does that translate that? 29, you know, whatever, whatever, but you did those numbers. Does that translate to new stadium and stop with the rain coming down in the, in the old one? Well, it's they're going to get a stadium that fits the status quo. 
It does not produce uh, necessarily uh, staggering new revenue streams. There will be new revenue streams created, but it's not a multi-use facility, and it's in the same bad location as the current stadium. Uh, this stadium will not get a Super Bowl. It'll be the first new stadium built that won't get any consideration of a of a Super Bowl because uh, it's built in the middle of nowhere and the style of stadium that they're building. It is a mistake for Western New York. It is not good for Western New York. And our politicians, if you check um, the money trail of our politicians, this is why they're not challenging um, the decision to build a stadium like this that is not in downtown Buffalo. And if you follow the money trail, you'll see that the Pagulas have followed the NFL roadmap uh, for making urban decisions by contributing uh, to all the significant politicians. Oh, so, okay, so, so, okay, okay, let me stop you right there. So the roadmap is to give Kathy Holcomb money, to yes. give money to, what's your man name in Buffalo? The uh, man or no, Mayor the, Brown. The, the, yeah, that guy, that black guy that does nothing. Okay, because he really does nothing. So you got him, and then so you so you spread the loot around, and nobody says, "Yo, man, this ain't cool." They take the money and run, right? But to his defense, everybody that I was associated with that could build a stadium in 2012, mm -hmm. I was introduced to by Mayor Brown. Okay. Now, what happened along the way after that? Uh, we would have to talk to him about. Well, you think but he has bombs greased, my boy? I'm just, I'm, I'm, not, for, I'm not saying, but I'm just but saying. he was four, and he put me in a position out of nowhere to be a part of the building of a privately financed stadium okay. that other people came out against and killed the deal. And that's what happened. Now, as far as this version of the stadium, uh, there was so much non-preparation for an urban stadium mm -hmm. uh, that that caused this to be the only deal to save the team. And that's what they wanted. You okay. need seven to eight years to put together a urban footprint for a multi-use uh, stadium that would make year-round revenue. That's so they don't, so, so Pat, they, they don't want a multi-use stadium because they don't no. want nobody else other than them to use it. Correct? Correct. Correct. And, and if that means, and if, okay, so, okay, so let me ask another question. Are they getting public dollars for this? Absolutely. You're going to okay, get so, well so over a get, billion dollars. So if you're getting public dollars, how the hell are you going to deny the public access to a stadium and make it exclusive for a bunch of white billionaires when public dollars, tax dollars that I know I put in, I know you put in, I know George put in, and a bunch of other people who look like you and I put in, but we got no access? Is that what you're saying? Well, they're making ignorant arguments, Nate. Uh, one of the arguments that they're making, you see they're building a dome stadium in Nashville. They're saying, yes. we have a better deal. Ours is 1.4 billion, Nashville's is 2.1. But Nashville's is a multi-use design. It's gonna be used year round. They're gonna get the final four. They're gonna get the frozen four. They're gonna get right. the Super Bowl. You're not gonna get any of those things. But who's making that decision is what I'm saying to you, Pat. If the politicians ain't saying to them, listen, we're gonna give you the money, but you gotta so do it like this. The ownership group 
feels that this is their best decision to, to maintain total control of the facility. And they will be the only ones benefiting from it. And there, there are very few black vendors. There are very few anything out there that benefits people of color because 93% of the population of Orchard Park is uh, European. And they are the ones that are parking the cars. They're the ones that are receiving residual economic benefits. This mm -hmm. is just a continuation of segregated economics. Right. And that is the truth behind this. Now, any of them, you don't see my name put on anything anymore because they know I know the true deal, that y'all are not doing what you're supposed to do. And uh, George can tell you, we just we just came from uh, Kansas City. You see black vendors. You see black people. You don't see any black vendors in Orchard Park. You don't, you don't see any uh, residual economic benefits for people of color. It's just one group of people that are benefiting from having an NFL franchise. And this is just modern day segregated economics. And if they want to debate me on this, I'm always available. But truth is truth. Yes, indeed. And you're on point on that. The Mighty Oprah is on point on that. You think about it, you only have from 1964, really, to 1972, when the stadium was the rock, the, known as the Rock Pile, was up on the old old location there with the uh, with the Rock Pile. With right. The Rock Pile location. And at that location, that was in the black community. But that was only not even uh, 10 years of existence that the stadium was in the community. And then it moved in 1973 to Orchard Park. And it's been out there uh, in Orchard Park. And the odd thing about it, and, and, and we see it in other cities, you don't see anybody, even including the politicians in Western New York, speaking on, hey, how come we don't have any, how come this thing is not No, no, no. See, that is my point. See, my point is just what you're saying. See, all of that, I'm talking from black politicians to Chuck Schumer, who wants to save the world, okay? Hold up, that's my little clock is going off. We've got to take a quick break, y'all. And when we come back, I want I want to go on this discussion because, like I said, that goes to my man Chuck saving the world. These other politicians who are running, you know, these other guys who I know, Demont Meeks, Summer Brook. I know all of them. I know them. I can name them all. But you're running, but you're not saying nothing about stuff like that. I got an issue with that, and I like to charge with those black politicians, Mighty Oba. That's who they supposed to be doing. You supposed to be to watch people on the wall, but you ain't watching nothing except for your pocket. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about this. And should the Washington franchise team finally get sold, Mighty Oba, finally from that knucklehead looking up people's skirt, Dan Snyder. We'll be right back, Fox Sports 12 Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, we are back for our segment here of what's going on, the experience. And I want to thank the Mighty Oba and my man, George Radman, to be here with me today. And, um, you know, we're on iHeartRadio as well as the main radio. That is T-H-E-M-A-N-E-R-A-D-I-O. And, um, 
Mighty Oba, I want you to get a shout out for your food truck. You got to give me a shout out for no, because Georgie, I want a steak sub like now, but he's inverted. <laughs> So oh yeah, yeah. They, hey, you got that special sauce too, man. That's oh, what I'm really saying, that, Mario, man. Tell, tell the audience about the the food truck, man, and what what you're doing. Oh, they can go to atlphilly.com, and uh, the food truck is located uh, in Atlanta. We're available for private functions, special events. We're vending at the Atlanta Falcons game. Hear that? Vending at the Atlanta <laughs> Falcons games and uh, the soccer teams games. Uh, in downtown Atlanta, right across from the stadium itself. And uh, we're doing quite well. We uh, just received a contract uh, with Georgia Tech University on Friday. Uh, and we're looking to expand our operation as we started in business on July the 9th. And if you go to atlphilly.com, that's our website. And you can even order a uh, 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 steak sandwich. And I don't know how we're going to get it to you because we don't. <laughs> Listen, listen, listen. But, that's uh, the next thing, though, Mighty Over. Listen, technology playboy. The next yeah. thing is get me a sub to Rochester, dude. Yes, sir. Like I, yes, like sir. I need one, but I don't care. I want, I, I want to taste that sub, George, because you were talking about the special sauce, George. Yes, yeah. sir. Oh, awesome, awesome, man. Oh man, make your tummy feel good, man. And and I, and the thing about the, the the food being such good food, Mighty Over. How long did it take you to get that? deal where you were able to be outside of the uh, Mercedes-Benz uh, uh, Superdome there in downtown Atlanta, Georgia? I would say uh, not more than 30 days. Mm. Uh, we it, opened it, July the 9th, and we've done every Atlanta Falcons game and uh, uh, Atlanta, the uh, soccer team, uh, FC United. Uh, we've done their games, and uh, we've done special events. We've done the uh, Bridge Fest event in Stockbridge, uh, right outside of Atlanta. Uh, we've done some pretty big events. Uh, we were at City Hall yesterday in Midtown Atlanta. Uh, so we are uh, we're moving around, and uh, that's a good thing. We were trying to be at one location at first, but that was not economically advantageous for advantageous for us, but we are moving around and that seems to be uh, a lot better for us economically. And money over one other question on that food truck. What do you think is the, is the attitude of the people? Because obviously there's other black food trucks as well down there, but what here back home in, in Western New York, Rochester, Buffalo specifically, do you think we just ingrained that we don't, Think we should have stuff like this? We should be, we should have businesses where the mass, not only other black people buy from you, but the masses, the uh, everybody in the area should be buying, uh, have opportunity to, to buy from you and, at, at large right. events. Well, I think we've been classically conditioned since 1973 that we're mm. not supposed to be a part of the residual economic benefits of having an NFL franchise in Western New York, and this whole new stadium proposal extends the status quo of segregated economics. And that's been my biggest problem with it. And you will not hear any of the elected officials from Kathy Holtzkull to Mark Polencarts to the rest of them. Mm -hmm. They will not question me on the subject matter, nor will they talk about it. And that's a problem. And now get this, Nate, this should infuriate you even more. They're going to get over a billion dollars of public money. But the discussion on the benefits to the community of Western New York, they forced 
the elected official sign an NDA. No, 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 no. Say that again now. Yeah, yeah say that again. Yeah, one more time. The elected officials that are participating in the discussions for a community benefits agreement are under a NDA. They are not allowed to discuss the negotiations for public benefit. Well, wait, wait. That, that is crazy. That doesn't make any sense. That's a double entendre. How is it public and private? Everybody that you mentioned, you don't hear any, any outcry about this. You don't hear anything. Because if you follow the money trail, everything is controlled. I don't want to fend the bills. I don't want to. I, I can have these discussions. But you have to stay. People respect people that stand for something. Yep. Because if you don't stand, you stand for something, for you'll nothing. fall for anything. You will never get anything. And yep. real quickly, George, I've told you this story. But if you remember, I was not allowed to cover Super Bowls at first. That's right. I had to fight these people. I called them every day for weeks on end. And finally, they said, "We're Pat, I got you set up. We got your room. You're okay. You're on Radio Row. And unfortunately, that week, one of my best friends died in a fire. I couldn't go. But that person who is now the vice president of the NFL, Pete Abitante, he told me that I respect a man that stands for what he believes in. You mm -hmm. called me every day for two weeks and not on end. You called me four and five times a day. You had elected officials calling me. You kept fighting for what you believe in. And I respect a man that fights for what he believes in. He told me that I, I feel bad about your friend passing away, but I'm going to make sure that you, if you want to cover a Super Bowl, you can cover it as long as you want to. That was 23 Super Bowls ago. And you're a witness to that, Nate. Come on, Playboy. That's how I got there. That's how George got there. Right. Jalen got there. Do you know how many people that you have assisted, AD, who have gotten to the Super Bowl and cover Super Bowl? I couldn't get credentials here on Fox. They were like, oh, well, Nate. I'm like, oh, it's good. Because my man Pat and George got me covered. And I've done, what, four or five Super Bowls because of you brothers? Because of the love and the, and the, and the, and the respect that you have for giving other folks an opportunity. And that's what we do so well, man. And like I said, and George knows me. George knows me. But we had these young folks interning for us. Am I right, George? That's correct. And one of them right now is working with George at 105.5. That's right. Jalen's doing that. It's about bringing the young people. The Jalen McGill's right. along, mentoring the young people. They have a lot of talent, a lot of growth, saw the talent in them, just get working with them. Mentoring is what's needed here in the community as well. Of all uh, communities, you need mentoring of the young to get them in the right direction and keep them going in the right direction and show them how you get them through the front door and keep them move, open that door right. and keep it moving. Excellent point. And you have to, you, you've got to fight for what you believe in. Exactly. And, uh, ultimately, that's what I was trying to say. And, you know, I've always lived by that for 28 years uh, of doing this work. And I've always tried to uh, bring others in. Uh, you know, I remember when George was uh, ready to cover Super Bowl, I, 
man, that was 2007. Yeah. And um, it, George was homeless. <laughs> right, 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 right. Things didn't work out the way they were yeah. supposed to work out down there in Tampa. That was Tampa, yeah. Mm-hmm. I said, no, brother, you stay with me. I got a suite. Little double end sweet, you stay mm-hmm. out front, you know. Yep. And uh, I first thing I told George is the uh, first thing I learned about the Super Bowl if they tell you that bus that shuttle's leaving at nine o'clock, you better, better be, be there two minutes to nine because it's leaving at nine. It sure is. And uh, I think George came out one time chasing the bus, that was like only once. <laughs> <laughs> Looks at oh, I gotta wait. I remember, yeah. I'm, I'm here now. I'm waiting on the next one. Yeah, when he got on, I said, "Hey, man, I told you this. This mug is an education of how they do things, mm-hmm. and I appreciate how they do things. But I also will always remember that it was a struggle just to get my foot in the door, and I hope along the way that I have helped several others uh, get in the door from around the country. I mean, we exactly. got several young people in Atlanta and uh, mm-hmm. around the country that we've helped uh, navigate uh, a Super Bowl. Young sports journalists in Buffalo helped them navigate their way in. Whether well, your man Chris Gardner, George, yes, out of Houston. Oh, yeah. yeah, Chris Gardner's well, doing very well. These are things that we do. Now, A.D., I heard you mention his AD was there before me. Yeah. Uh, him and Max. Him and Max. Yeah. I met them coming in the door. So they were there before me and, and they carried that same philosophy. But these are things that we have to do uh, to open the door to stop uh, economic segregation, industrial mm-hmm. uh, racism uh, that keeps many of the doors closed. Uh, to people that have the same aspirations as you. Well, hey, man, I want to thank you for that, gentlemen. And um, we got to get out of here. Our time is up. And I really appreciate you, Mighty Oval, for coming on today and educating us. Well, it's always an education to be with you, sir. You're doing a great job. And, of course, the Rad Man, my road dog, uh, we just got back from uh, Kansas City. And uh, you have to uh, make your presence known, but make your presence known the right way. Exactly. You said something significant that should be a lesson to young people that are listening. There's a difference in the questions you ask a player or a coach immediately following the game. Mm -hmm. That difference is they have not reviewed the tape. So all your questions should be tailored to a person that has not reviewed the tape of the game. And then after they review the tape of the game, uh, those questions should be tailored uh, to that fact that now that you've reviewed the tape, what do you think? Exactly. And those are things you learn along the way. And a lot of these young guys need to understand that and learn that as, as they go. They certainly do. Post game and then during the week is two totally two different things. Two different things. Exactly. Hey, well, I want to thank you, gentlemen. Radman, as always, man. It's been real, man. Check the articles. Bellchallengernews.com. Check us out. They have an excellent Leroy Living in Color exhibit at that Birchfield Museum is on the cover. Beautiful, colorful cover of Challenging Community News this week. Check it out at most businesses in the community here in Rochester throughout Western New York, thechallengernews.com. And where can they find you at, Mighty Oba, on the internet? Buffalo Criterion newspaper each and every week for the last 27 years. 
Um, been writing a column for them forever. And also, I started a new uh, podcast, Night Talk with the Mighty Oba. Uh, this week, I'm interviewing former NBA great uh, Craig Hodges. Uh, so you can catch that on multiple platforms. Uh, Nate, you'll enjoy that interview because it covers some of the subject matter we talked about today. Oh, beautiful, man. And on that note, I want to say thank you so much, gentlemen. Until next week, if God spares all our lives, at least mine, I know we'll be back here with some more of the crew. You've been listening to What's Going On, The Experience here on Fox World 1280 and iHeartMedia. Until next week, peace, God bless, and see ya. Welcome to another edition of What's Going On, The Experience here on Fox Sports 1280 AM and iHeart. Radio. And before I get started, I just want to give a shout out to the Alzheimer's Association. They are still taking contributions for the Alzheimer's walk we did back in October. Um, just go to alz slash rochester.org slash walk. Continue to give your contributions. And I know somebody out there knows somebody who has dementia or Alzheimer's. My mama got dementia. And trust me, this is close to my heart. So please, folks, give, give, give. And in this segment, man, we got my man on. I haven't seen him in a couple of years. He was on for us before. But Dr. Mario Clark, CEO, author, educator. Welcome to the show, Doc. Hey, man, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be with you. I know it's been a while, but I'm still here. Okay, well, it's good to have you. And just... um. Refresh the memories of our listening audience and tell them exactly where you are, the educator at no part of the country. I am uh, the founder and CEO of the Richard Wright Schools in Washington, D.C. We are a school of journalism and media arts, the only one in the entire country that's a public school that's focused around journalism and media arts. I'm teaching kids to do what you're doing. When are you going to get me to come in? I can talk to the young people for you. Hey, we're going to get you here. We got to get you here. I got I got a new building now. I got to get you here. We got a new building. We've been blessed. We got a $20 million building that's like three blocks from the Capitol. It's an mm. amazing opportunity for our young people. And uh, definitely got to get you here. Now, now, you said Richard Wright. Tell folks who Richard Wright is because they might not know. So, you know. Everybody knows Richard Wright. They just don't realize that they know him. But Richard Wright was the author of The Native Son and Black Boy. And those were the two, you know, uh, 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 most popular books. I mean, the gentleman wrote several books. But what I like about him, a conscious brother who was about making change in his community and coming from a, a very challenged background, this is what we we knew we would center around with our students. And we wanted to give a school name, something that had heart, something that would mm-hmm. represent them and somebody that they can think about and read about and see themselves in that person. So that's Richard Wright, the author. Now, um, what's your grade levels? We have uh, a junior high perspective, eight and nine. And then we have a high school program, 10 through 12. OK, now is it co-ed? It is co-ed. Now, how's that working for you? Because I went to all boys school. So, I mean, and the only way I did that because my mama said, you got to pay attention, son. You just, you're all over the place. You know, co-ed is great because we're teaching the young men. I'm going to start with the young men. We're teaching the young men that chivalry is not dead. 
exactly them that it is it is our responsibility to be leaders and it's our responsibility to make sure that we are protecting our ladies our young ladies our women our babies our community so we're teaching leadership from that perspective they get a chance to see it firsthand we're also teaching the young ladies that it's okay to make sure that you can have a, a, a nice chivalry nature towards a young man that you can learn to respect a young man and everybody's not going to call you out your name right and it's okay to understand that there are some gentlemen who want to do good by you and to be able to create father figures around these young ladies who don't have fathers we understand that two parents is what make a whole child and that child needs two parents in some form or fashion whether biological or surrogate to make that child whole so this is working for us great. Man, how many students you have, Doc? We have 400 students here. Whoa. And, and growing, 400 and growing. Uh, I got a waiting list. We didn't uh, get them all back in this year. We got a lot of things that we have on, on deck. And uh, we just moved in. We moved in the building two years ago. So we're in phase one. Phase two is coming. It's going to be amazing. Man, that's, that sounds tremendous. Now, how has your interaction been with the parents listen you know parents is always a challenging situation i want to start on the positive end i have some amazing parents that are involved uh i have a large percentage of them that are involved in a large percentage that's really really great but we do have some challenged parents some parents that need some training and some understanding about how what their role is and how they can be uh, 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 better stewards within their own family. And so we're going back and forth. We've had some knockdown fights with some parents. And the bottom line is that I'm that kind of leader that just can't be scared. You got to make sure that the mission <laughs> is what it is. And, and you got to stand on the principles of what you're trying to do. We've been successful. Last year, I had 75 graduates from high school. They had over collectively over 500 college acceptance letters, and they amassed $4.7 million in scholarships. So you can't tell me how to make kids work and how to get kids to college and make them successful. So when we have a parent that wants to disagree, we can disagree about things that make sense, but we can't disagree because you don't like the fact that I have a kid in a uniform or I got a kid that got to get to school on time or that I'm sending early phone calls every morning on a wake up and you mad because I'm ringing your phone. That's your problem. My job is to make it happen for the kids. And that's what I do. Man, you sound like you be, you be on the grind. So you said something interesting because um the two parent household, because I was raised with my mom and dad, thank God. And um, I raised my children with me and my wife. It is something to be said about having that yin and that yang, so to speak. Okay. In terms of mom and dad um, care about you. Not only that, but to see the different roles that are interchangeable. Because I, I remember, you know, when my, because I have girls. And I remember when the mom was in grad school, I'm doing hair. Okay. I'm doing the lunchy lunch. They're like, Dad, matter of fact, your lunch tastes a little better than mom. Because I'm throwing, you know what I'm saying? I was like, yo. I'm going to do this. You know, mom can do, but I can, I got this. So for, during that two, three years when she was in grad school, me and the girls really made a different kind of connection. Like, yo, dad, you really was honed in on this. Like, like I know it takes both of us, but yo, I got this. So I think a lot of men really need to understand that how important their role is. It's, you you could be the, the, the tough guy, but when it comes to nurturing, that nurturing, 
we have to be a part of that, Doc. Listen, because if you don't nurture, you will regret that later. I have a daughter as well. I have a daughter and, you know, I'm going to tell you, she's my heart. She's 22 years old now. <laughs> but the reality is, is that there's a nurturing effect that never goes away. And so, yeah, it is it is so important to have the yin and the yang together uh, because that balance goes there. But when you got a good balance, whenever one has to be 60, when the other one's 40, yep. you know what to do. And that 100 percent continues to push push through when others don't think so. So, I mean. I, I tell you, I help balance households. My staff in here, we balance households because we work with single parent mothers mm-hmm. and with the, the surrogate father step in to balance that household. Because what we recognize is we spend more time with students than a lot of parents do. Yep. So I got to be that heavy in a lot of ways to make sure we're balancing what's not being done at home. You know, I get these parents. We get these parents involved because we got this thing called Parent Nation. We did away with PTA, man. That's old stuff. But <laughs> if you want to get things going, you want a movement, right? And our movement is Parent Nation. When you come together as a nation, that means you got a mission. That means you are solid rock. And so a lot of times we pull those parents in. I've taken advantage of the, the Zoom, man. So we got... Yep our parent nation on zoom and we doing that. We breaking them up by grade levels and we having meetings every week on Thursday night where we are getting it in with these parents. So if they miss one week, they can hop on with the next, they can hop on with the next class and not worry about anything. Right? So, the information continues to flow. And that's what happens when we really get involved with what's going on. So my my percentage of parents that's involved is high because I figured out different ways to do it to make it work. Before I leave, before we leave, man, tell me about this connection you hooked up with um, Master P, Learning Without Limits. I like that. Cause that's like love without a limit. So I, I kind of like how you did, you know what I'm saying? I know what you were doing. So, you know, like no limit master P learning without limits. Tell us about that hookup, man. And how that came about. Listen, you know, uh, it, it's funny. Uh, I met master P years ago and who, who would know that our, our worlds would come back together. You know, uh, we got connected on a, a synergy. He had heard about some things that we were trying to do and up, uplift in education. And he said, that's what I'm doing. That's what my mission is. And me and Dr. Clark, we're going to get together and talk. And and so here, here's here's the greatest thing. I had a picture that I had a Master P from 1998. You hear me? Oh, okay. And when I when I heard he was he wanted to come by Richard Wright and talk, I pulled that picture out and we laughed so much that we decided we were going to talk about education. And this is how we did it. We went downstairs in, in our rec room and we started playing ping pong with each other. And we started talking about how we were going to continue to build and close the gap on the communities, how we were going to educate and we were going to take away all the limits that people have in education and how we was going to do it while we was playing ping pong and talking at each other. And we were having this vibrant conversation about how we could collaborate and make something happen. And what he said was, listen, you are working with the same mission I'm on. I got the entertainment. You got the education. We're going to collaborate. I got the business aspect. You got some business acumen. Now let's collide together. You got two brothers that are making things happen and changing lives. And how are we going to do it? We're going to take over all markets, not just one. Because that's how the, and the synergy got going with that, with Master P. And he decided he was going to join my board of trustees and begin to utilize 
that 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 volume that he has to help change lives of black and brown people throughout this country and within the District of Columbia. Well, man, Doc, it was so good talking with you. Tell the people one more time the name of you. And this is only part one because because you're going to come back up here again. You're not going to take two years either, brother. This is part <laughs> one of our interview, too. So tell the listening audience the name of your school again. And let me ask you a question. Do you take kids from outside of D.C.? Unfortunately, I, mean, I, hate, I hate to sound like that, but do you, do, are you putting up a boarding school next to that bad boy someplace? Because it sounds like you need one. Listen, let me tell you something. Uh, unfortunately, the way the, the rules are, we can't take kids outside of the district, not yet. But we're working on something that <laughs> will allow us to make something happen. So we want people to stand by that, 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 that what you just spoke about. It's coming to pass. So we, 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 we're on a mission right now to get this thing where we can help kids all around the world to change some things for, for our students. So you go Richard Wright schools. That's, that's where we are in Washington, DC. You can find me there and, and make sure you connect with me or folks can follow me on, on Instagram and, and Twitter at Dr. Marco Clark. Well, Marco, thank you so much. I appreciate you, my brother. And um, we're going to get together again on some other things. Like I said, you got to get me into school. Because I can tell young people how to start their own online radio station from soup to nuts, from start to finish, and how we've done this. I've been working with a whole bunch of young people all my lives. And I want to talk to you, too, about your Clark Atlanta University shirt I see you got on. I'm a, I am a proud Morgan graduate daddy alum, so. And, and Dillard. Well, <laughs> I, I, I want you to know, Clark, I, I, I'm a proud Clark Atlanta University, but I, I, I received my doctorate from Morgan State University. I know. So, yeah. So we, we, we got it all together. Yeah, that's right. I got my Clark on because on Fridays we had Superfly College Day and okay. I wanted to show the kids and put a little drip on so they can know. No, 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 you know, you know, you, you got the drip working on skillet. It's working a full Regalia. Hey, Doc, thank you so thank much, you. my man, for thank taking you. the time out to hang out with me. And then we're going to get you back up here again very, very soon. That's and good. I'll tell you about my Piney Woods experience. You ever heard of the Piney Woods? Yes, sir. I'll tell you about me working on campus for me almost two years working with young people at the second oldest black prep school in the country. But um, I got some good experiences I'll love to share with the young people as well. Absolutely. Looking forward to getting you here. All right, Doc. Until All right. next time, man. 